Episode 6 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on September 26, 2016. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. color crystals and ask, will they ever get upgraded stats? Could the various classes get more weapon options in Knights of the Eternal Throne? Also in Knights of the Eternal Throne, will players finally be able to swap advanced classes? And finally this week, Shintar from Going Commando recently interviewed lead designer Michael Bacchus on Flashpoints in Star Wars The Old Republic. We'll take a look at some of what they had to say. And with that, it's time to make the jump to Lightspeed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 6 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted. And as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. First off, I wanted to apologize. I meant to get Episode 6 out last week. It's a week behind, but here we are. And as always, I hope to get on a more regular schedule. So with that, before we get into some of the news and topics this week, uh, here we go with the announcements, and it's just your standard dark versus light update. And I think last week I called it and uh, just called the whole thing, even though the event was still going on, and saying that the light side was going to win, and I'm, I'm sticking to that because last time I checked the official website, in the battle to acquire Darth Hexid and Master Ranos, the light side has a lead of 52.91%, with the dark side trailing at 47.09. I do believe that was the same exact stats as it was uh, two weeks ago when I released episode 5, uh, which either it's not getting updated all the time or people are just off doing other things, and the dark versus light has kind of run its course here a little bit, and people are just over it now and they're, they're, they've moved on to do other things and I think the light side is going to win and that's just fine by me so that's all the announcements I have so let's slice the hollow net and review the news this week and no official news per se other than the New York uh, Comic Con Cantina Tour is scheduled for October the 7th that's well only a couple weeks away here about that or give or take and that's when we are going to get all of the official details on the upcoming expansion, Knights of the Eternal Throne. Now, there has been a lot of data mining going on, especially with the class changes. And I'm not ready to go over that yet. And it's not that I'm trying to be respectful towards BioWare and, and, and wait for them to come out with the official announcement. It's just there's a lot of information. It's you know, it's data mine, so it's not exactly speculative at this point, although it's subject to change because it's obviously coming from a from a test environment. But there's just a lot of other things to talk about. And if I review everything now and then it doesn't change when they announce it on October the 7th, then I just feel like I'm just going to be repeating myself at that point in time. So just decided I'm going to wait for the official announcement, which means if I stick to my schedule, my next podcast should be October the 4th, which is a few days before October the 7th, and then uh, October 11th would be when I would target episode 8. 8 is great, and 8 would be me talking about all the cool information of our Knights of the Eternal Throne. 
that said, we're not devoid of information. We're not even devoid of a Bioware even mentioning that there is an upcoming expansion. So in a feature, I guess I'll call this, it came from the forums. Uh, let's just talk about some of the, the, the dev track and some of the things Eric, topics Eric Musco has been discussing over the forums this past week. And one of the questions that was asked this week and responded to, and it's something that comes up from time to time, is basically, will we ever see upgraded stats on color crystals? Basically, color crystals that have more than the plus 41 of the crit, endurance, etc. that they have now. And this is what he had to say. He said, hey, folks, certainly other users in this thread have already answered the question, but I thought I would get some confirmation behind it as well. Color crystals having plus 41 to stats is something that we have no intentions of removing slash changing. The stat value is tied into multiple items that players can earn or buy, and so we wouldn't want to adjust that value. We can adjust for stat balance, etc. on other items without impacting the plus 41 of the crystal. So in a perfect world, if they could roll back the clock, go back in time, what have you, I think if they were designing crystals, they would be cosmetic items only. And they wouldn't actually have a stat component to them whatsoever. I think that's clearly how they wished wish they existed in the game today but they don't and i don't really think there are good options for tinkering with the stats whether it just be boosting them way up to fit into today's gear and adjusting them every time there's a gear upgrade or a level cap or what what have you i I don't know that they'd want to keep doing that Certainly reissuing new color crystals with upgraded stats, you know, new new versions of the same colors would be a disastrous idea uh, for on, on very many, many levels. That would just be a horrible thing. So I think the best option at this point is to just let them be and let them kind of phase out, let the stat component phase out. And, and we may already be at that point where the, the stat bonus you get, at least at max level at the level cap is negligible certainly there's a there's a boost and some value to be had at lower levels although things are just not that difficult to defeat especially with the powerful companions that we have today that even even at level 10 it's kind of a nice thing but it's really not the difference maker in terms of how fast you level or or, or kill something i don't really notice that it's, i don't think it's a huge a huge uh, bonus at that that point in time. So I think probably the best option for Bioware is just to let it be. Most people choose them because of the colors and that isn't going to change. And they'll just keep putting them on there with plus 41 stat and they'll just let, let the stat itself phase itself out from the game. Now that said, if you go to the GTN and you look at the prices for crystals, they are not priced as if the stat were meaningless. Meaning... The same color crystal might be more expensive if you are looking at an eviscerating crystal, which has the the crit stat, and a Hawkeye crystal are going to be much more expensive than, say, one that has the endurance stat or even the PvP stat, which is the, the, the expertise. So if you don't care about ultimately min-maxing your character and don't see a lot of value that it matters one way or the other what stat you have on your crystal... And you're really just looking to have like the coolest color. I, you know, it might be worth it to go look at like a War Heroes or an Endurance Crystal and just find the cheapest version of the color you want. 
and just ignore the stat entirely. And like I said, I'm not sure if we're quite at that point right now with the level 65 cap and the, the 224 rating gear. Um, but we'll certainly be a lot closer to that when the level cap goes up to 70. So just 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 something to think about. But again, 41 stack crystals are here to stay. And I think that's probably the best option is just leave them be and let them phase themselves out of the game. Uh, one of the other questions that came up is regarding weapon options for classes. And basically people were saying, hey, you know, might we see more variety of weapons be available to, to different classes? And this is what what Eric had to say about that. He said, this is a good question and one that we have received quite a few times over the past few years. Although we don't normally comment on rumors, I thought this was a good one to jump in front of. As of right now, there are no intentions of expanding the weapons that are available to classes. It has always been our design goal that when a player sees another character, they would be able to tell what class that player was at a quick glance. Part of that is tied into the weapon that they use. Right now, if you see a Republic character running with a blaster rifle, you will assume they are a Vanguard, two pistols, gunslinger, and so on. Hope that clears up any rumors. I'm trying to think where I stand on this because there are other ways in the game to identify classes. Of course, you know, there's icons above people's heads, but that's something you can turn on and off. Armor is another possibility, but they've gone out of their way to let people equip all types of gear, especially with the adaptive armor. You know, you don't have to be a bounty hunter and wear big, heavy armor, for example. You can wear almost anything, robes, any anything that's adaptive armor. So you could dress up like a Jedi Knight and be a bounty hunter. So, I mean, at this point in the game, and right, and this really mostly applies to, to PvP. Uh, honestly, to PvP, when you see someone coming at you, you know, you want to have an idea of what what are you up against? What kind of class is it that you're facing? So I think this is really, really more a PvP thing. But I think we're getting to the point where the weapon really is probably the last defining feature, the one thing now that could define a, a class. And certainly you wouldn't want a bounty hunter to be running around wielding a lightsaber. That might be kind of neat, but you that wouldn't really work, right? You'd still have to keep it. Because there's animations and other things that, that go into this. So you would still have to have weapons class restrictions. So leaving it alone as is, is I think, is fine. I never really had an issue with, with that. I never really wished I could get on my mercenary and, say, not dual wield and, and pull out, say, like a sniper's rifle. That's not, not something I'd ever wanted to do or ever thought about doing. And in part because I play a lot of classes as it is. So if I want to get out there with a sniper rifle, I'll just, I don't know, hop on my sniper for the for the afternoon or whatever but so i don't think this is this is a big deal but interesting to, to see them them talk about that so uh one of the other things that came up was people asking do they need to play knights of the fallen empire in order to play knights of the eternal throne and i'm sort of paraphrasing the question but and really what is the impact of of, of playing it or not playing it and so this is what the response was he said there are two elements to this question story impact and logistics as we have mentioned in the past, Eternal Throne story is going to be a continuation of the story from Knights of the Fallen Empire. For that reason, we highly recommend that you play through all of the Knights of the Fallen Empire content before jumping into Eternal Throne. The choices that you made throughout this expansion will have consequences that you may have not may not have seen yet. Logistically, the plan right now is that you will be able to jump straight into Eternal Throne if you want to. However, as with past expansions, we would choose templated stories choices for you to catch your character up. 
For that reason, again, we highly recommend you play through Knights of the Fallen Empire before jumping into Eternal Throne. We will definitely talk more, talk about more details like this after the announcement on October the 7th. So, I think this is fine. There's nothing wrong with this. I like the idea that you have the ability to skip over Knights of the Fallen Empire and jump right into Knights of the Eternal Throne. And, I mean... If you're new to the game, if you haven't, if you've never played the story, if you've never played the Knights of the Fallen Empire storyline, then I think you absolutely should. I think you're doing yourself a disservice to skip that and jump right into Knights of the Eternal Throne. Not only should you play Knights of the Fallen Empire, but you should probably go back and play Shadow of Revan and Zyost and all of that too, because really that's where all the backstory lies. So depending on, you know, if you're a brand new subscriber for Knights of the Eternal Throne, you probably should go through, I'd say, go through your class story. You don't necessarily have to do Makeb or Oricon or Ilum and some of those things. You could skip over that, but you should at least play your class story. And I would say play Shadow of Revan and play Knights of the Fallen Empire and just, you know, it'll take you a little bit longer to, to do that and get to Knights of the Eternal Throne. But I, I, I think you miss out on a lot if you don't do that. On the other hand... If this is like your 20th character and you've maybe gone through Knights of the Fallen Empire 10 other times and you just maybe decided, hey, you know what? I like the class changes that are coming and I really didn't play on my Sorcerer and Knights of the Fallen Empire, but I want this to kind of be my main tune moving forward. And maybe you just go ahead and jump right into Knights of the Eternal Throne and pick up because you already know the story. You know the choices. I mean, the choices are, are and, and how they play out maybe probably the strongest reason why you'd want to go back and just run through that but otherwise maybe just roll the dice and say all right i'll take your template of choices and let me just get into the new story and all of the new content i mean you know when i want to watch return of the jedi i just go and i sit down and i watch return of the jedi i don't go and watch a new hope or the empire strikes back or the prequels or anything else in order to get me in the mood to watch return of the jedi i watch return of the jedi because that's what i feel like doing because i've seen all the other movies umpteen times. I already know the story. I even know this story. And so I I don't need to go back and watch all the other films. If I've never seen a Star Wars movie, I would not recommend jumping in and starting off with Return of the Jedi. I would recommend A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, then Return of the Jedi, and then the prequels, and then The Force Awakens. That's the order I like to watch them in. That's a whole other topic for a whole other podcast, I suppose. But Whatever order you want to watch them in is just fine, but I'm just saying, if you've never seen them before, just don't lead off with Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Not a good idea. So that said, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do this, too. One of the things I'll be curious to see about how they handle the logistics is Knights of the Fallen Empire was more than just the story. And when you finish those first nine chapters, you had all this stuff to do in Odessan. There were all of these companion alerts uh, to do, and if you say haven't played Knights of the Fallen Empire, but you're going to jump right into Knights of the Eternal Throne, I'll be curious to see what they do with Adesin and all of those companion alerts and things like that. Are they? Get, they're probably not going to give them to you, so that's a that's a whole bunch of content that you're probably going to skip over as a result. Um, and you know, you could probably go back and do them at some point, but you might be you'll probably be going in there without a lot of companion. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. They'll have to give you some of the story companions, but I think all the ones you get from the alerts, you won't have. It'd be interesting. Interesting to see how that plays out. 
And one final topic that was addressed uh, this week had to do with the the possibility of being able to swap advanced classes in Knights of the Eternal Throne. And someone on the forums asked, I heard a rumor on general chat that 5.0 will bring advanced class swapping to the game. And it got a response, which was, you know, we don't normally respond to rumors, but in this case, dot, 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 oh, you almost got me. So... I think he's just, I think Eric Musco is just having a little bit of fun. I haven't heard anything myself. I haven't seen anything data mine that indicated you would be able to switch advanced classes in Knights of the Eternal Throne. I can't remember if I mentioned this at all on a previous podcast. I mean, it does sound like there are going to be changes to the game that impact advanced classes. And I'm pretty sure I didn't talk about this, but this is this is part of the data mine stuff. And I'll just, just mention that here... The, the possibility that when you create a new character, you will have to choose your advanced class at character creation. And this is why if you've ever had a level 60 token and created a level 60 character, this is how the level 60 characters work. And there, there's some discussion or thought that maybe this will be brought, kind of made baseline to the game in Knights of the Eternal Throne. But it then does beg the question, would there be an option of some kind where you could then change your advanced class. I, I I don't see it happening personally. I, I you know they've they've kind of had this stance against it. I don't know how much of an of a, of a of an outcry there's been to to have this ability. It's not something I felt I, I needed. I mean I'm pretty good about making the choices that I've wanted. I mean, are there advanced classes I don't like? Yes, I have created characters, chosen an advanced class, and then said, "Ugh, I really don't like this advanced class," and I either just don't use the tune and. In those circumstances, would it be nice to switch, say, from a pyrotech to a mercenary? I, yeah, sure, sure. But I, I, I don't know how much of a big deal that really is. So I would be surprised. I will be surprised if there is the ability, even if it's just a one-time thing, that would allow players to swap out their advanced class. But you, you, you never know. And like I said, the Cantina Tour is coming on October the 7th, and we'll know for sure... If that will be a possibility, but uh, again, I, I really don't care one way or the other. To be honest with you, if it's if it's in the game, I probably I might have one tune left that I would change the advanced class. But even if I could never do that, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. So so I'll be curious to see if that happens. I don't think it's coming, but we shall see. But you know, the fact that he was able to either just have some fun or even just chose to respond to that just for whatever reason. I, I think it just maybe opens the door slightly that maybe it could be a feature that they're adding to the game, but we'll see. So that's it. That's all we have on the news from the forums this week. Uh, as far as a featured topic, as I mentioned in, in the intro, Shintar over at Going Commando uh, recently did an interview with Michael Backus, one of the lead designers for Star Wars The Old Republic, and the subject was Flashpoints. And so I would ent- I would recommend you go over to, to, to Going Commando. Um, let's see, the address is swotorcommando.blogspot.com. And check out her site and check out this interview, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it was really good. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It was quite lengthy, but I did want to highlight a few of the questions that came up and talk about those and share my thoughts on those. So one of the questions she asked was, currently all flashpoints are set up to be puggable through the group finder. 
Have you considered adding a higher difficulty option that would allow smaller groups of friends to challenge themselves similar to what you experience in hard or nightmare mode operations? Some of us have very fond memories of Lost Island hard mode at launch. And this is what he had to say. We have, but it's always a balance between making flashpoints accessible to more players versus building a custom experience to allow for a greater challenge, but for a much more limited set of players. That being said, we are always looking at opportunities to deliver high, higher difficulty to players looking for that increased level of challenge. And I think this is one of the areas that this game sort of falls short. Um, and that is end game content and end game content in an MMO doesn't just have to be operations, right? Or or PVP, but in terms of PVE, it doesn't just have to be operations and your flashpoints can absolutely be end game content. And the idea of having a difficulty level that would require say a pre-made group, I, I don't really see the problem with that. And I don't know how many how many players that you really exclude by doing that? And, I just, I, and again, a lot depends on the demand and how much time players would be willing to spend to spend running higher difficulty content. Again, a lot too will depend on the rewards that are offered in that. But I will just say this, and I don't like to really spend a lot of time comparing MMOs, but I have been spending a bunch of time lately playing. World of Warcraft's new expansion, Legion. And one of the things they've done is they've introduced these Mythic Plus dungeons. And these are your standard five-man dungeons. However, unlike their versions where you can hop into the group finder and just find a random group of five people and knock them out, this requires a pre-made group. And it's really designed for you to go in there with probably your guildmates, but it doesn't have to be. It's comp- it's absolutely puggable. At least the, the, the initial version of Mythic, once you get the right gear, it's absolutely puggable. You just have to go in there with a pre-made group. And people advertise through a tool in the game that, you know, hey, if you got a tank and a healer, you might look for other people to fill out your group. And you can actually absolutely pug this stuff. And what they've done with this is once you complete a Mythic dungeon... Uh, you will get a keystone to unlock a higher level of difficulty. And it goes, starts, you know, you have the initial level, then you get level two, and then it goes all the way up to level 10. Um, and it just gets harder and harder and harder. And it's, it's a way to challenge people to see how much they can beat it. And it's really cool. And I think it's taken off. I think it's pretty, pretty popular. And it's sort of an alternative to raiding. Most people are doing it in addition to raiding, but it's an alternative. And I guess really my point is I think the idea of flashpoints that aren't just out there for the for the masses but are do require sort of a pre-made group have increased difficulty and of course increased rewards is something I think people would would gravitate towards I bet I bet people in my guild would be happy to to spend time running that and and taking on those types of challenges so I mean when you look at the end game and talk about well what can be done to improve the end game beyond just introducing new flashpoints and new operations, something like this, something like a harder difficulty flashpoint that would require a pre-made group of people, uh, I think is something that that could work. And it's probably something I would be interested in in doing, especially after seeing the Mythic Plus and Legion, because I'm having a good time with that, and I'd love to enjoy that in a Star Wars environment. So another question she asked was, at launch, flashpoints seem to be set up to offer an alternate gear progression route to operations since they drop the same set pieces, though one tier lower than you could get in raids. 
For a while, there were even plans to have different difficulty tiers of flashpoints, and she points to Lost Island, but all of this was soon scrapped. I can understand that the tiering system would likely have become unwieldy over time, but can you give us some insight into why set pieces were removed from flashpoints? I always thought that they made for great rewards. And he responded by said, you touched on it a bit in the question. The main idea was to streamline gear gear progression. Building and maintaining so many different stack combinations and tiers of gear added confusion to the gameplay experience for some players and made it a much more difficult system to grow and maintain. It is much easier to communicate that set pieces come from operations. Flashpoint gear progression was designed to be a stepping stone into operations. So reinforcing that opportunity in the gear progression sent a clearer message. So I don't think it has to be set gear necessarily, although some form of set gear, whether the different bonuses, something that may be instead of that, that gave you some boost boost to when you're out in a world might not be a bad idea. Something like that. Something that maybe you got like something like the victorious pioneers armor set. If you got some, some piece of gear with a set bonus like that might be kind of a fun thing to do, but I understand them wanting to differentiate and making sure that, you know, the best gear possible comes out of, conceivably what you would consider to be your highest level of content which in this case is is operations although i would like to you know i think it would be good to have flashpoint gear feel a little bit more rewarding than 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 what it is and see different types of rewards come out of flashpoints again the idea is you know why not make sure that flashpoints are more than just a stepping stone to your operations but something that you want to continue to run um a for fun and B because you know it's there's something relevant there for the end game and I understand you get those crystals right you get common data crystals and all that other stuff or the, the the glowing data crystals and if you go through the group binder you can get radiant data crystals so there are a source of of crystals which I think is probably one of the main driving factors why you'd want to go in there and at least do your dailies and and so forth but I think that buffing up the rewards in flashpoints wouldn't be the worst thing in the world and just doing something to make that part of the end game in addition to operations. Uh, another question here that was kind of interesting was another minor downside of the 4.0 changes is that the narrative cohesion is lost for new players since it's not obvious at which point in the leveling process each flashpoint is supposed to take place. Do you have any plans to address this? Perhaps by having the group finder interface interface provide additional information about each flashpoint. And this is how he responded. He said, in general, we want our class stories and world arcs to lead you to these experiences. There are definitely exceptions to this, and we agree that it's not ideal. Right now, since this content is found in Group Finder, we're not looking to address this issue. That being said, it's a great idea to give more information to the player, especially when it gives backstory or context to their experience. I like this question because I have to say, I have leveled a lot of characters in Knights of the Fallen Empire, and I just haven't seen much in the way of breadcrumbs leading me to do flashpoint content. I mean, there's some places, some planets where you go to a certain zone and there you'll see the flashpoint droid sitting there. And, you know, I usually don't talk to them. And I guess that's the point where you're supposed to go and pick up uh, certain flashpoints and then maybe maybe go ahead and plan to do them. But I, I always feel like the class stories in general and even the world arcs, world story arcs, aren't very good at leading you towards which flashpoints you're supposed to do and when. In fact, I remember, and, and, and the group finder absolutely makes it awkward because I was doing some dark versus light events and <clears throat> I was trying to complete 
a flashpoint, the flashpoint achievement, and I was on my Jedi Knight that I was leveling, and I went and did I think boarding party or, or that that sequence, and I think I ended up doing it much earlier than you might normally have done in the story. So it was kind of weird because there were references to my storyline and the Jedi the Jedi Knight story storyline that I hadn't completed yet, and it was really I, I and I don't remember the specifics, but I just remember going, yeah, this really seems awkward and out of place here because it was referencing something that hadn't happened yet, even though I knew it was going to happen. So I, I I I don't know if they should go out of their way at this point to try and improve that, but it is it is it's not very smooth as far as the the when to go and hop into these flashpoints, especially as you're you're leveling up, and of course. Flashpoints as a tool for leveling up is another thing. I, I, I think it's just one of those awkward things that exists in the game that I don't know needs to be fixed at this point. But it, but it, it is just so I, I mentioned that question because it was just something I sort of experienced a little bit myself. So another question that was asked, and this is the last one I'm going to go over, was: Have you considered how the new flashpoint system will deal with new additions to the game yet? E.g., next time the level cap goes up. Will they all just level with it? Would new flashpoints also be accessible from level 15 onwards? And he said, we've absolutely considered this, and our goal is to continue to make all of our previous gameplay areas relevant each time we increase the level cap. There is still considerable work involved in that process, not to mention testing time, but it is something we feel is important for our players. And I think the takeaway here is, yes, the system where these flashpoints will continue to exist, uh, for lack of a better term, as endgame content, or meaning that, you know, once we get to level 70, yes, these flashpoints that exist now at level, that we can do at level 65, yes, we're also going to be able to do them at level 70. And I assume the rewards and all of that are going to to scale moving forward. So I, I, I mentioned this question because what does that mean for new flashpoints? new operations and things like that. I mean, this is just the system they've built, but they it's a system in which the existing content is being designed to remain relevant and continue to be, I don't know, end game content, if you will. And so it's the kind of thing I think exists as sort of, if, if they run out of time, depending on what their main goals are for like Knights of the Eternal Throne, and they need to cut some features in order to fit, you know, the story in or whatever. It just seems like a new flashpoint or something like that are easy things to put on the chopping block because you've got this as a backup plan, right? Well, we couldn't get this new flashpoint, but yes, you can still run Hammer Station and and all of these things just like you did before and you'll be able to get, you know, the new levels of gear and your crystals and this this and that. And I think that's... I think Knights of the Fallen Empire, we were okay with that, and everyone was fine with that. But I think moving forward, we need some new stuff. We don't. I mean, we'll go back and do the old stuff, but there's got to be something else in addition to this, and we'll we'll see. So October seventh, not that far away, and we'll get all the details. But but that that's it for this week. Um, here we go. I'm gonna cue the the outro music, and which means one thing: you've managed to survive another half hour take listening to episode six of the state of the old republic podcast i'm your host ted and i thank you for tuning in you can find this podcast on itunes stitcher google play youtube and buzzsprout you can also listen to the show directly from the show site which is currently so to our podcast.com 
Uh, there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly as well. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at sotorpodcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. So tune in next week for episode seven, and I do mean next week. And remember the Sith Code. Take is a lot.